James McFadden's status and the Lincoln flagging situation are official. We'll talk about those stories, plus where all these sprint car teams came from for the Outlaws and High Limit and what's ahead this weekend. Let's go. It's Thursday, January 25th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Uh, Wednesday around dirt racing was the day for news to drop that we've been talking about around here for a few weeks already. Uh, We'll start first with the flagging situation at Lincoln Speedway in central Pennsylvania. This was the main topic on my January 2nd daily show, and yesterday the move was made official. Starting at the icebreaker in February, Lincoln will, quote, implement a state-of-the-art virtual flagman system that will include lighting and message boards around the speedway to alert drivers and fans of important situations on track, unquote. They also said, in addition to the virtual system, there will be flaggers and safety personnel on the inside of the track, in the corners, and on the front straightaway. The virtual system will be run from the scoring tower. The plan for now uh, is for them to continue having a flagger in the stand for at least the first few weeks to kind of aid in this adjustment period as they get this uh, system up and up and running. And just like when we talked about this a few weeks ago, the reactions were, again, incredibly mixed. Some are incensed at the notion. I saw one poster claiming that they are never coming back to Lincoln ever again. And yet others are applauding the move. I don't think this is nearly as big a deal as some are making it out to be, but some are really very attached to the flagman. An electronic flagging system has been used effectively at Perth Motorplex and in other forms of motorsports. I don't see why it can't work at Lincoln. And if for some reason it doesn't work out, they can always just switch back and bring a flagger back into the situation. Also with High Limit, we got the official announcement of James McFadden signing on full-time with the series driving again for Roth Motorsports. This had been the rumor for a while, plus the series accidentally leaked it last week in a promotional poster for the upcoming Red Dirt Raceway uh, show. That social media post was then quickly deleted. Uh, J-Mac being official means now we are at 17 High Limit teams headed to East Bay in a few weeks. The full list includes McFadden, Brad Sweet, Rico Abreu, Jacob Allen, Casey Kane, Spencer Baston, Tyler Courtney, Zeb Wise, Connor Morrell, Parker Price Miller, Tanner Thorson, Brent Marks, Justin Peck, Corey Eliason, Corey Day, Brennan Crouch, and Chris Windham. Roth joins Shark uh, Racing as splitting their operations between the Outlaws and High Limit, with Buddy Kofoid going Outlaws with Roth. And just like with Shark, I think splitting the two teams here makes a ton of sense. Hedge your bets, hope to grab one of those early high-limit charters. 2023 was a career season for McFadden. He picked up seven wins in 78 races, including six with the Outlaws, plus the front row challenge at Oski. And just like I said with uh, Kofoid, if Toyota can work out some more of the bugs with their 410 engine and get some more consistency, I think Roth could be a formidable team in 2024 across both national series. When things are right, we know McFadden can win absolutely anywhere. Looking ahead, I haven't heard any more names as possible high-limit pickups, so I'd say we're pretty close to set at 17, barring any last-minute surprises, which are certainly possible. Uh, The high-limit season starts in about two and a half weeks at East Bay. That's Monday and Tuesday, February 12th and 13th. That is right after the outlaw portion of Dirt Car Nationals, and I'd expect a lot of the high-limit teams to also race at Volusia to kind of maximize their trip south. Also, I uh, want to expand a bit on the total field size uh, between High Limit and the Outlaws. Kyle Larson said recently in an interview with Jeremy Elliott that they were a bit surprised they had so many signed up for High Limit, but they also acknowledged that probably not all will make it the full season. Along that same vein, I wanted to circle back to the idea of having enough cars across the country to support two national sprint car series. I did a daily show back in October about this very topic, and I've seen Brad Sweet make several comments in various articles 
about the skepticism that there are indeed enough cars. At the moment, between the Outlaws and High Limit, we're at 29 total traveling teams. We've got 17 with High Limit and 12 with the Outlaws. Back in October, I wondered, kind of based on their histories, if there were even 20 cars that could do this without a significant step up in their program. I think it was a pretty fair question, and now that things are mostly settled, I went through the list to see where exactly these 29 teams have come from. Of the 12 Outlaw teams, 10 are effectively returners from 2023. That includes Bill Rose and the sides car, even though it's Landon Crawley now and not Robbie Price. Bill Baylog is new, and this is both a massive step up for that team in terms of commitment, and it was a surprise. It's not one we were expecting, and it sounds like they weren't really expecting it either. Uh, we can call Kofoid a new addition as well because that team was technically pick and choose a year ago. So 10 back, two new teams for the Outlaws. With High Limit, they sort of flipped five Outlaw teams to their side. That includes Sweet, Spencer Baston, McFadden, Jacob Allen, and Kane. I say sort of because Casey's status has kind of been up and down in recent seasons. They also signed up four All-Star teams from a year ago, and I think Zeb and Sunshine were kind of the easy ones here. You figured Zeb was going this way anyway. Uh, and, and for the 7BC, this is a step up, but makes a lot of sense. Uh, the one really kind of huge step is Morell and the uh, Mark Daly team. That's not one I thought would happen. And the Vermeer car with Chris Windham, those guys will be well outside their usual areas. But I feel like the NAS sponsorship is helping there. Uh, they convinced three uh, past pick and choosers to sign. That includes Justin Peck, Brent Marks, and PPM. Marks, previously an outlaw, not surprising. Peck, also uh, previously an all-star. Uh, no huge leaps there. PPM has been both an outlaw and an all-star regular before as well, but he's again trying to ramp up his own team. And then we have the absolutely new teams. Rico never previously run a sprint car series before, but he knew he was in play uh, pretty early on. His team was already effectively a national touring organization, so no surprise here, and, and this won't be a, a big step up for them. I think he would have been high on my priority list if I was running one of these series, and I've said that a few times. The other four new pickups are all significant jumps for these teams. Ridge and Sons goes from mostly regional with Aaron Reitzel to national with Eliason. Brenham Crouch is jumping from the IRA. That's again a big step. And then Corey Day's Jason Meyer's own team is Outlaw Caliber, but based on comments about him finishing school and them being California-based, this was a team not initially on the radar. And then there's Tanner Thorson with this new Rod Gross Motorsports team. That has definitely been one of the bigger surprises. So overall, the two series split the 15-ish outlaw teams. They pulled in four all-star drivers, convinced four pick-and-choosers to sign on, and elevated six new teams to national series competition. Clearly, the added opportunity and the dilution between the two sides was attractive to a bunch of these guys. But three months ago, a lot of these guys were on nobody's radar. Several of these drivers were never going outlaw racing anyway, and some on the outlaw side that we have right now wouldn't be signed on if others hadn't left. At some point in the coming weeks, I do want to talk championship chances uh, for both series uh, and who's really in the hunt for high limit charters uh, kind of during this first season. So stay tuned for that. Uh, looking ahead to the weekend, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series season gets rolling tonight at Golden Isles. Looking through practice results last night, it appears we were just shy of 50 cars. Uh, Ricky Thornton Jr., I believe, was fast as he ran a lap at 14.942. Lucas will run through Saturday night at Golden Isles before heading south to Bubba for practice on Monday and then racing Tuesday and Wednesday. You can tune in all weekend long uh, live over on Flow Racing if you are not going to the racetrack. And at Volusia, they're set for three straight nights of the Southern Sprint Car Shootout for the USCS 360 Sprint Cars. This should draw a healthy field of cars. Some big names are expected to race, including Ryan Timms, New Outlaw rookie Landon Crawley, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Justin Peck, Terry McCarl, Austin McCarl, and many more. Thursday and Friday are both 2,500 to win shows, and then Saturday is a nice 10,000 win race. 
Three-quarter modifieds are also on the card. And if you aren't near Volusia in Florida, you can watch it live all over on Dirt Vision. All right, that's it for the Daily Show this week. Make sure to hit up the streaming schedule over at dirttracker.com slash watch tonight to see your viewing options. And then make sure to follow Dirt Tracker across uh, all of these social media platforms. That includes Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. Hope you guys have a great Thursday out there and a great weekend. We'll see you right back here on Sunday.